All right, welcome to the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. I have no idea what happened to the music. I really need to get that fixed um, soon because it's been awful all year long. Um, I'm your host, the Denver Desert Dog, the 6-0 Denver Desert Dog, 16 straight, coming after the 07 Pats. Um, and joining me tonight is Phil Bruce from the Seabulls. Phil, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. A little tired. I uh, was up late watching LeBronzo last night, so great to see LeBron bringing a championship to L.A. this season. Can't wait to see that. The championship will not be coming. Um, <laughs> and it won't be called LeBronzo for long because I don't know where the Onzo part of that fits into this team. Can you? Yeah, uh, no, they're, they're, um, it, it never made any sense for me to, for LeBron to be going to L.A. I don't... I don't understand what he's doing. I think he's uh, just taking his golden years out west in, in beautiful weather. They're they're no good. They they lost last night. They're uh, at best the third best team in the West. So, you know, good good luck to LeBron and his. What does he have? Three championships, four championships, whatever that is. Uh, Not going to catch Jordan, three, but three titles. Yep. If he, if he if he wanted to go to winning team, he would have gone to the Sixers, but he, he didn't. And uh, he wants to do his mogul stage now, so luck to him. And it'll be interesting to see him ride out in a pretty mediocre team. I'm okay with that. I mean, it's it's kind of cool seeing him in a Lakers uniform. Like, it's cool to bring this, the Lakers back. He looks good it's in different, that uniform. right? Yeah. Like, the Lakers are finally relevant again. They're mm-hmm. just not all that great. Even, even if they add another piece this offseason, they're not competing with Golden State. No, but, and, well, Durant may not be in Golden State next year. Um there's rumors of him wanting to do almost the same thing as LeBron, but go east to the Knicks, which I think is awesome. Like that, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I Why would you ever want to leave that situation? He's got a great there. Um, but the NBA, it's interesting. The, the guys in the league that that is a league that has marketed their stars the right way. So, um, absolutely, as absolutely. A, as a baseball e- fan, even though. Even though, and a lot of media people that follow the NBA don't want to report it. I think they're. Opening night ratings were down 40% year over year because they didn't include LeBron in their opening night. Well, the other thing about the the bad, I shouldn't say sneaky, like the thing about basketball season, like this is way too early. Like I'm, I'm just really hitting my football stride and as an NBA fan, it's hard for me. Um, but as a baseball fan, I really struggle with the fact that I like watching football and basketball more. Um, yeah. Like I have, well, I've, I've watched barely most any of the Americans playoffs. would agree with you. Yeah, I've watched barely any baseball playoffs. Um, but that's more of like a when the Cardinals are out of it for me, I have a hard time watching it. So, but you're a hardcore baseball guy. I am. So like that that that's an issue, right? And, and that's why baseball is going to get overtaken by soccer in the next few years as the what third most popular sport in America. Yeah, I don't know if that'll ever happen. Soccer, I don't know. I mean, I guess. But maybe, the evidence but, of it is, is is right here in what you're saying. Yeah, I just I still would rather watch a baseball game than a soccer game. But I don't know if my kids will feel that way when they're my age. That my kids love baseball right now. Like Emmett plays baseball every day. Like he loves it. But we'll see. Yep. All right. So trivia. I have a question for you. Um, it's not a great question, but I think it's fun. And it's not related to this active NFL season, but um, as you may or may not know, Adam Vinatieri has a chance to become the all-time points leader in NFL history this week. 
He is nine points behind Morton Anderson. Um, but my question is about non-kickers that are on the top 70 of the all-time points leaders in the NFL. There's five players. Um, none of them are active. Do you know the five players um, that are in the top 70 of the all-time points leaders? Non-kicker. Non-kicker, non-quarterback, obviously. Um, how about LaDainian Tomlinson? He is third on the non-kicker list, 62nd overall. All right, so, so just re- repeat the question one more time. So the five non-kicker, non-quarterbacks on the all-time points um, top 70. So the, okay. the, the five, the five, basically the top five in touchdowns in all time. Yeah, non-quarterback. Okay. How about Jerry Rice? He's first, 37th overall. What about Emmett Smith? Second, 53rd overall. So you got the top three. All right, so the the remaining two, are they wide receivers or running backs? Wide receivers. Let's go Randy Moss. He's fourth. Terrell Owens. He's fifth. All right, nailed nice it. Nice job, very good. No, I guess that's not. That's probably an easier question. Shane would be like cringing if he was on this podcast because I think he has like the top twenty all time in touchdowns memorized. Probably he looks at these lists all the time. So, but I thought yeah. Whenever fun. we hang out, he he's always doing lists like this. So I I feel like that was an unfair advantage. The sport and like top top twenty. I think like Irving Fryer falls in there somewhere, and we're all like blown away by that. The the Sporkle website was basically made for people like Shane. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So nice job on the trivia. Um, trade recap is our next segment, and there's nothing really to speak of. But you've been busy. I think fielding offers haven't been busy accepting any. That may be. It's probably a good thing for you. May or may not be. Um, may have, or may not be. Some, right. You have some, you have some time. Risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I decided that you know, my team probably wasn't good enough to compete this week, and being one in six pretty much eliminates me from playoff contention. So I think that the, the biggest challenge with my team is I've got a lot of guys that <clears throat> I, I, I normally do a, a good job of balancing early season players versus late season. And it seems like my roster this year entirely was players that are probably going to peak in the, in the second half of the year, which, which killed me. Um, like the, the Josh Gordons of the world, he got off to a, a really slow start, but now he's at a pretty significant snap count with, with the Patriots. The Le'Veon Bells, which, you know, that that's really not an excuse for my team because James Conner's been able to, to come in and, and do a really good job. Uh, um, so, you know, beyond that, like the Edo Smiths, I, I, I think he's going to have a big second half. Doug Baldwin and Russell Wilson seem to, whatever reason, really click in the, in the second half of the season. So, uh, unfortunately, the team I constructed is, is good, but they're they're not going to really hit their stride until the final weeks when I'm probably going to be eliminated from playoff contention. Which is why I said, okay, let let's pull the trigger on some trades. And I got some really good offers, um, two of which I'm strongly considering. I'm just not ready to to pull the trigger on those yet. Um, I want to see how the next few days play out um, if I can get an offer that 
is substantial in the next 24 hours before you know this Sunday kicks off I'll, I'll certainly consider it but for the time being I'm, I'm trying to move Bell and, and James White as a package just so you get some short-term stability while we wait to see what Le'Veon Bell becomes when he comes back probably week week nine or, or week ten since he didn't come back this bye week um, but we'll, we'll see and I know there's a lot of teams that we'll talk about that in my opinion have an opportunity to differentiate themselves and, and move up in the standings by adding a few pieces and I, and I think my team has a few of those pieces that it's really going to be the, the, the first person that can blow me away with an offer is, is going to really upgrade their team I think White and Connor would be the two players that maybe have peaked on your team I, I wouldn't say White's peaked um, I wouldn't say Connor's peaked either um, but they would be the two candidates for your early season rather than late I guess yeah, I, I, I agree with Connor for sure because once Bell comes back, I, I don't see the Steelers trying to put a lot of mileage on Connor's tires, and, and I think they'll ride Bell out. James White is somebody that he's got a role carved out on the Patriot offense. He had that week one when Michelle wasn't there and they had Burkhead, and now that Burkhead's out, now that they, you know, the. The, the, the biggest threat to James White was Deion Lewis's usage of, usage last year. And once they got to Deion Lewis, James White was always going to have a defined role as the third down back in an offense that heavily passes to, to that position. Um, and I think even with Michelle, as we've seen recently, uh, James White's going to have a significant role in that offense, and I don't, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Yeah, um, the other trade, I guess, to discuss would be an NFL trade. Uh, we will probably get into it later in the podcast. Um, but Hyde, Carlos Hyde, gets traded to Jacksonville. So that, to me, raises some red flags on Yeldon and Fournette. I think one of them must be more hurt than we're being led to believe. Because yep. there's no way you have Fournette, Yeldon, and sign Jamal Charles, and all three of them... Um, and then go and acquire Carlos Hyde. Big boost for um, Sure and Park by being the Chubb owner, and then uh, huge. And then it's a it's a not it's a hit on Eddie uh, with being the Hyde guy. Even though I know you felt Hyde was on his way out anyway. Yeah, it's funny when I put this agenda together. What was it yesterday? And I, I was looking at it, and I'm like, wait a second, Nick Chubb, he's, he's got to start getting some usage here. And I threw in a question like that. And um, it was funny because Nick Chubb was one of the guys that I wanted to target potentially with um, the, the, the Bell and, and White offer. And then things just fell into place. And who, know, who knows what's happening with Fournette? It, it's surprising that they would trade for Hyde and not put Fournette on IR immediately. Correct. Which, which says that. It's probably going to be Hyde for maybe a two- or three-game period before Frenette comes back. But they still have time to, to put him on IR um, before Sunday's game to free up a roster spot. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But if Frenette doesn't go on IR, um, I think you definitely have to start thinking that Hyde's going to be a short-term solution and you have to fill his roster spot with somebody else if I'm Eddie. Is this the? I may be wrong, but I feel like is this the last week you can put a player on IR and have them come back later in the season? 
I think so because when you put somebody on IR, no matter when you do it, it's a minimum of eight, eight games weeks, yeah. before you can come back, or eight weeks. Uh, I don't know if it's eight weeks or eight games. So now we're 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 kind of coming up on being back for the regular season. So I I, I think you're right. Okay. All right. Standings recap. Um, obviously, at the top of the far, if it's me, six and zero, oh, three games up on the curtain and the teabaggers. Uh, two and four, Patriots and Bull Weevils, four games back, and yourself at one and five. Moving over to the Elway division, the Clan at five and one, Mad Dogs at four and two, Franchise and Ice Cream at three and three, two games back, and Park and uh, Hammer at two and four at the bottom of that division. So, um, anything that you take from the standings? I think all the two and four teams are are, are still in it. Um, there's some good two and four teams too. There are, yeah, for sure. I'd say all and of them then, have a stake in the playoffs, still. Even even myself at, at one and five, it, it's a really far outside chance, which is why I wanted to sell. But it, it's it's good that we don't have anybody that I could say right now, like, oh, you're you're completely eliminated. Even the teams that aren't as strong, I think, are, are one or two moves away from being able to compete. And I, I think parity is good for the league. I, your team is far away the, the best team, but um, I, I still think we have a lot of good teams in the middle of the pack and the upper tier of the pack that, that can do some damage. Well, that leads nicely into your next segment, which is uh, you called it the David versus Goliath segment. <laughs> did you know that that's the season, the current season of Survivor? is called David versus Goliath? I did not Goliath? know that, no. Yep, so... Played ended nicely when last night's podcast got canceled. I caught up on Survivor with Libby. So, um, but your question is, uh, which teams are positioned to make a run through six weeks to contend with myself, who has established himself as the early front runner? Yeah. So, when I first thought of this question, it was really um. Base rosters. So, who who does everybody have now that I think could take down the Desert Dogs come playoff time or, or remainder of season and potentially get that first round by? So, I'll start with in our division. Um, so, in the same division that the Desert Dogs are in, I love the the, the Patriots roster. Um, I think McCoy is going to have a huge week. I think Michelle is a, a stud who I was also hoping to package for for Bell and White. Um, but I think he's going to have another huge week. And then I think Jordan Howard at some point shows some life and, and shows a pulse and, and starts, you know, being the, the, the back that we all thought he would. Um, so I, I, I like those guys. And then obviously going into the other division, uh, Fegley's team, anybody having Melvin Gordon's going to be a stud. And Tyree Kill, I'll be the first to admit I was completely wrong on Tyree Kill. We've seen the smaller, quick, really fast wide receivers come and go in the league and not have any effectiveness for whatever reason Tyree Kill is able to just dominate everybody I mean being able to score that what was it on Sunday night it was a uh, 75 yard touchdown that put me out of my misery <laughs> um, I, I was watching that and I'm like okay against the Bill Belichick defense alright this guy he's for real and for whatever reason NFL defenses haven't figured out how to stop him um, so I, I love Hill. I love Diggs. I, you know, I've, I've been a longtime Diggs supporter, and I, I, I think between Boyd and 
Calvin Ridley, he's got the, the, the best receiving core in the league, and I, I won't steal too much from the next segment, but I, I, I love his roster. Yeah, his team's good. Uh, definitely, you know, Gordon's right up there with Gurley. Um, so I think you're spot on with that. Um, you know, I'm still... The Weevils took a big hit knowing they're not going to get Devontae Freeman back this year, so that hurts a roster that I liked. Um, Abusement Park has a good roster, getting Chubb now as the feature back added into, you know, Zeke Elliott and David Johnson. Hopefully the firing of Mike McCoy can get David Johnson going a little bit there in Arizona. It can only help. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the franchise might be a player away from being a competitor with uh, the year Barkley's having. So it's wide open right now. Um, and I think in, um, I think the fact that it is so kind of bunched up is going to make the week eight trade, de- the week eight to nine trade deadline, very interesting because there's going to be some teams that have some tough decisions to make. I mean, you talked about how much you love the the St. Louis Patriots roster, but they just got a thirty three spot hung on them last night by the Denver defense. If he gets to two and five, he's not out of it. But that's going to be tough to overcome. So he needs to have a big week this week to overcome that uh, that deficit he's in after Thursday night. So this week will have a lot to say, I think, about um, some of these trade offers and decisions teams are going to have to make. This is a huge week. Well, I mean, to your to your point about the Patriots, so they're they're starting off in the hole. They had a thirty three hung on them by the Denver defense. Now would be the time to make a move. Not, not, not necessarily just talking to my team, but anybody else out there that is thinking about selling, try and upgrade Willie Sneed and, and come back from this week. Go for a boom and bust player, right? Go, go for somebody that can really help you out this week. Try and win. The difference between three and four and and, and two and five is so huge that. You know, the I, I don't know what the magic number is for, for wins in this league historically in the playoffs. I think it's somewhere around six or seven, probably. Seven gets, that gets in, the typically. End. It's seven, right? So, yeah. you know, to me, I'm playing, you know, I, I think the position you're in is so much different in that you're playing for the playoffs, whereas these guys just got to be playing for, for seven wins and then figure out the rest later. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I've started to kind of look at constructing a roster for weeks 15 and 16 at this point. Um, so you also said you wanted to make way too early first-round buy predictions. Is it as easy as saying, you know, me and Fegley? Um, first-round buy, I, yeah, I, I think it is. I don't think um, anybody in our division has a chance of catching you for a first-round buy with a three-game lead. Uh, in the other division, I, I said before, I love Fegley's team. I also love the mixed Mad Dogs. So I, I, I think it's really going to be between those two rosters. So if you, if you look at mixed team, um, you know, the, the wide receiver punch of Adams and Keenan Allen, I think Keenan Allen's going to start showing off a little bit closer to what he's been historically. And they're going to be a really good team to, to consider and – you know, I, I, I see them competing with Fegley for the first round by on, on that division. That's interesting. I would probably lean to his brother, the franchise, um, more yeah. so than the Mad Dogs. <clears throat> but so what, so what do you like about the franchise a little bit more? Um, well, obviously it starts with Barkley. It's the first time in the history of this franchise 
the Fleetwood franchise that they've had a player like Barkley. Um, they really haven't had it since they drafted Antonio Brown in year one and then moved him. Um, but I also like the, the tight ends have the, the high floor. I mean, it, it's kind of odd throwing two tight ends out there, but it's a strategy I've employed this year a couple weeks as well with Ebron and Gronk. So Kelsey and Ertz, you know, one and three in tight ends at safe. Uh, Robert Woods, obviously, we know the year he's having and the year he had last year, so that's been good. I, I'm a big uh, big Chris Thompson fan. Um, he's not in the lineup this week. He's a little banged up right now. But I also think the best is to come from on Johnson. Um, I, I just think this team... What, what, what does he have? One one touchdown to the first six games? So he, he's due for a regression back to scoring a little bit more, although we've said that before about... Detroit running backs. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I think my point to the franchise that I mentioned earlier is I think they're a player away from uh, being there. So I think the base of the roster is there. And if they can get themselves in position to make a move and add either one more big uh, running back or wide receiver or even improve the quarterback position, I think that they're right there. So in that division. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different when you start talking about what pieces could be added to some of these teams, right? Um, it's going to be dependent on, on what the market is, but you, you start talking about maybe potentially adding a wide receiver one or a running back one to any of these rosters, and, and things could look significantly different. Yep, no, you're, that's definitely a fair point. All right, so let's get into the Week 7 matchups. Uh, we'll start off with your team, the Sea Wolves against Scherz's team, Abusement Park. Um, we'll start off, I believe, with Scherz's team here. Uh, which Baltimore receiver, well, this is relevant for both teams, but which Baltimore receiver do you think will go off this week, John Brown or Michael Crabtree? It's tough. Um I feel like Brown has been getting the targets, not not as much recently. He was more of like beginning of the season target hog, and um, he's he's done okay with those. He I think he's number twenty wide receiver overall, um, but Crabtree I think is a more polished product. So I I think Crabtree comes out of this week with more points, but both are good long term plays in in my opinion. I'll take a, I'll take C in this one. I'm going to go with the aforementioned Willie Sneed. I think Sneed has the biggest game this week um, to steal from Mike Clay on ESPN. He does a nice article about um, wide receiver matchups, and they're going up against the Saints this week. And the Saints uh, outside cornerbacks, one and two guys, have been fairly good. Uh, Lattimore and Crawley, I believe. But then you go to the inside, and I don't remember the player's name, but... He's basically been toast all year, um, and he's going to draw a majority of Snead in the slot. And um, Snead's shown the last couple weeks that he's almost running the tight end routes, and we know Flacco loves the tight end, you know, the middle of the field yeah. stuff. So I, th- I think Snead has the best week of the Baltimore receivers this week. So I, I haven't looked that much into it. Do you know what target share has been the last few weeks for those guys? Has um, Snead been increasing? I can get Sneed's numbers here pretty quickly just by going to the Patriots roster and pulling up some uh, game logs on Sneed. I mean, Sneed can play, right? He showed that in New Orleans. He had a few breakout games. So, last week against Tennessee, he was 7 for 60. 
Um, he's averaged eight and a half targets the past two games, tied with John Brown. So 17, yeah. 17 targets the last two games, 12 catches. Uh, the problem with him is that he's averaging somewhere between 8 and 11 yards per reception. So the, the big play is not there like it is with Brown. Uh, the touchdowns haven't been there either. He only scored once in week week one. Um, but he's had you know some, some good games as of late. 6 for 56, 5 for 55, 7 for 60 his last three games. So um, with a touchdown in any one of those efforts, you're looking at about a 15-point week. And that's that's good. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a, as somebody that's that's selling. This is a big week for John and Brown because I think up to this point, through week, through six weeks, people are like, okay, that's what he's been doing so far. But where's his breakout game, and and is he sustainable long term? So this is going to be one of those. If he comes out of the gate and plants a goose egg, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to move him. But if he has a big week, then I, I think he's going to be really valuable. Interesting. Um... Yeah. We'll go over to your team and we'll ask about you know James White. He's RB8 in our league through six weeks. What do you feel like his outlook is rest of season? I mentioned that I thought he might be a player that's kind of peaked. Um, but then I also mentioned, I believe, last week on the podcast that White's you know floor is so high and there's so much safety in him because he plays the Kevin Falk role, the trust role, I'd call it, in the, the Patriots offense. Um, so I, I like White. I think he stays within probably two spots of where he's at right now, somewhere between six and ten rest of the season. Yeah, so, I mean, the question is, what's the, the value of a top eight guy in this league? I, so RB1, is, is he going to be able to maintain that rest of season? I, I don't know. But the, the usage remainder of the year doesn't, to me, it doesn't seem like it's going to change at all. Michelle's going to get the goal line work. Michelle's going to get the early down work. But if they're behind it all, or if they're in a two-minute offense, or even if they're just looking up to, to, to change the pace of play at all and go no huddle, James White's going to be the guy. Um, and, and he's had a really high floor, as you mentioned. I'm, I'm looking at it. His minimum week this week is – um, so through six games, the least amount of points he scored is 11.7. Which is a, a a pretty significant floor when you start looking at, uh, around the league at, at, at some of the other. I mean, we we've got some guys that were drafted very high first round picks that don't have that kind of floor. Um, so I'm I'm thinking what, what what's the value of that? And and to me, if I can grab him, and even if he's in a flex spot, being able to count on that kind of production week in and week out without any significant changes happening to his role the rest of the season. I, I, I think he does finish there, and, and I don't see any reason to, to change it. Yeah, at the very least, he's a guaranteed you know good flex play every week. It's incredible he's sitting at RB8, um, having 29 carries on the season. So less than five carries a game, and he still has running back eight value. Uh, that, to me, just speaks to the state of the NFL in terms of the state of the running back position, you need to be able to do both um, run and receive in this in this day and age. Um, yeah, you, you know, you think that when James White is in the game, you know they're going to pass it, and if they do try and do some type of run option, it's going to be a pass to James White, and for whatever reason, teams either can't figure it out or they can't adjust fast enough. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, they've been doing this for years where they have dedicated third-down running backs in their and their offense, they throw them out on the field and then they throw it to them and it just seems to work. 
Well, when you have to blanket Gronk, and when you have to account for Edelman, and you have to put a safety over top of Gordon, um, when you have that those kinds of players around White, it's very easy for him to kind of leak out late and take the dump off and do that a lot and get a double-digit point effort. So yep. uh, we mentioned Josh Gordon there needing to kind of cover him over the top with the safety. He's, he's turned himself in the last couple of weeks into – what this team's really been lacking in the last couple of years, and that's a deep threat. Um, five for 42 last week, that's only eight yards per reception. But in terms of air yards, I know they took probably two or three deep shots to him that weren't successful. So uh, what do you make of Josh Gordon rest of the season? I'm encouraged by the usage. I am in a couple leagues, um, and it's definitely worth monitoring uh, to see if he could vault himself up into you know, top 20 receiver rest of the season. Yeah, he's he's a guy that I'm really upset that my team isn't much better record-wise because I, I think he's going to blossom rest of the season. When the Patriots traded for him, I think they were sort of just doing a, a dart throw and saying, hey, if he can come in and learn the offense, great. If not, no, no biggie. We can, we can cut him loose and, and not pay him all that much money. But the fact that I, I know – so he had a touchdown last week. He had a, a lot of targets this week. He, I, I think he played 80% of the snaps this week. The fact that he's playing that many snaps tells me he's able to pick up the playbook, and we don't have like a Chad Ocho Cinco type situation where the guy can't even get on the field because he can't learn the offense. So, so he can learn the offense. It's just a matter of him getting on the same page as Brady now. And to me, I not, not only wide receiver 20 rest of season, I could see him – and this is heavily biased, but I could see him being top 10 rest of the year. Maybe not this week, but, you know, just in time for maybe the following week or a week after that. I, I think he has so much talent and, and playing with Brady, it's only a matter of time. He hasn't logged a full week of practice yet. He's been limited every single week because of his, his hamstring injury. But at the same time, come game time, he's playing 80% of the snaps. So, that tells you that at least in the back room meetings he's doing the right thing. So there's potential there. Once he's healthy, once he's ready to go, I, I, I could see him playing a significant role in that offense. I'm not ready to say he's going to be the Randy Moss of that offense like a, a lot of people on Twitter have said, but there's potential there for sure. Well, the other thing, the Patriots are on a team for lip service, and Brady's been very open and vocal about how much he likes Gordon. So that's, that's uh, positive as well. Yep. Who wins this matchup between you and Sure? Right now, you are projected to lose by 12.5 points. I think I pulled out just because that's how fantasy karma works the week that I say I'm ready to sell. Um, you know, I, I like some of my matchups in here. I think Peyton Barber has another big week. Um, James White with the high floor. And then. Um, between Lamar Miller and, and Ito Smith, I think one of those guys go, goes off. So I, I, I love I love Chubb. It, amazing that Chubb gets you know all the action the week that I play him. Just seems to be my my luck for the season. Um, and I, I love Sure's team, but um, I, I think somehow I pull it out. I'm going to take Sure. Um, you spoke about your matchups. He's got some good ones too. Zeke against Washington. Zeke's always good. 
Uh, I yep. talked about Snead, but you can't say Crabtree doesn't have a good matchup. Julio and Ingram both should be pretty good Monday night. We mentioned Chubb, and Curse is a very popular play amongst uh, daily guys this week. So, uh, very favorable matchups on his end, too, as well as probably some better talent. So, I will uh, I'll take sure in this matchup. All right, uh, next game would be the Mad Dogs versus the Desert Dogs, Battle of the Canines, uh, me versus <laughs> Micah. Uh, is this the week where Keenan Allen of the past shows up for the Mad Dogs with Devontae Adams on by um, and Demarius Thomas only putting up 6.7? They need that to happen over in London. Yeah, so I, I, I posed the question. I, I think it is the week that Keenan Allen comes back. I, I, I think he's due. Um, he's way too talented to get the usage and, and looks and lack of production that we've seen so far. The guy, he he's shown he can be as reliable as anybody. I, I think he comes back big this week. I'm, I think he goes for north of 30. Wow. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a big game there you're, you're calling for. Stone cold. <laughs> Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock. Yep. <laughs> Still from your boy Mike Greenberg. Um, I think this is a Gordon game. For whatever reason, the London games seem to be odd. Like, they don't seem to be games that are like real NFL games where they're big time shootouts. They're, they seem to be blowouts. Um, Sometimes, right? And yeah. then. Remember the the Viking Steelers game a few years ago? That was all the fantasy studs blew up, like Peterson, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon. They so some are like that, sure, but we we, we still have the ones that are a little bit more traditional shootouts. Yeah, yeah I guess it's because the weird teams seem to play over in London. So um, I'm still not ready to buy in on the Chargers. I feel like every time you start to come around on that team, they they lay up a game where they. You don't. They look like they've never played football before. I don't think that's necessarily the case because Tennessee is in a world of hurt right now as a as a ball club. But I just I don't really know what to make of Tennessee. I don't either. I don't feel like they're any different from the team that won a playoff game last year. Um, But in the same sense, they've done a lot of really bad things this year. So I I don't know. Uh, I would agree with you. I don't know what to make of that team. And then uh, your other question that you posed for the Mad Dogs, do you feel like it's boom or bust uh, for Bilal Powell? I uh, I really like Powell this week. And I, uh, I I know it's not a great matchup against what was once a, a fabulous defense, came back and is an okay defense. Um, I, I think Powell has a big week and, and they write a script for him. Uh, Powell's interesting because... You know, he's known, supposed to be known as the change of pace guy, uh, but 36 carries the last two weeks would lead me to believe otherwise. Um, I still have a little bit of faith in that Minnesota defense. So, I'm going to, I don't think it's a good game for Powell this week. I I don't think he gets over 10 points. The whole the whole defense thing. I, I think all the defenses are struggling this season. I, there, there's a handful that are that are doing really well, but I, I think a lot of teams are struggling, similar to what Minnesota is, in that 
scoring is just at an all-time high. All the rule changes have, have favored offenses. So some of these more historic dominating defenses just aren't going to be able to see the production that they're used to having. Well, the other thing with Powell, I mean, we haven't really seen him get in the end zone yet. Um, yep. I think he's had one touchdown so far, none on the ground. But do you think maybe Darnold as a quarterback has hurt him in the sense that Darnold's a guy that can push the ball downfield to receivers rather than the lack of quarterback they've had in past years who have just kind of been dump-off the pal guys? Yeah, totally. So if they were to switch jerseys in the locker room and, and give it to Eli Manning, I think Powell has a lot more touchdowns this yeah, season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, you're right. That's kind of like one of those weird things about fantasy where you get better at the quarterback position, but it hurts some of your other pieces. Uh, your questions for my team, who scores more, Alvin Kamara or Mark Ingram? I, I think this goes back to a Kamara week. Uh, I personally think they were sort of showing off Ingram on, on Monday night during Drew Brees' big big night, of course, that um, you know Ingram had the rest and they wanted to make the league known and, and sort of send some tape out saying, hey, by the way, Kamara dominated and we have this Ingram guy. I, I, I think we see a little bit more normalization here and, and Kamara gets a lot more looks than he did last week personally. I think Kamara outscores too as well. Um, Baltimore, a little tougher defense, and I feel like against the tougher teams, they they have to use Kamara in the the more interesting ways rather than just kind of the way they use Ingram as a as a rush first back. Um, both still, have but, but I will say, I, I will say, if Ingram outproduces Kamara again, it's time to just smash that panic button. That's not true. Um, <laughs> I, I've had. I've had conversations with other teams in the league about Kamara. You seem to be the only one that would be interested in acquiring him. Others have mentioned me. They're concerned about the workload. Um, for me... I, I, I have no concerns. I, I'm kidding about that. I, I don't no either. I think he's a stud. I have had, obviously, um, fantasy interest in following the Saints closely this year, and I think I predicted it before the Week 5 game. I said... They, I said they should not even suit up Kamara against the Redskins because we all knew Breeze was going to be chucking it to get the record and Ingram was going to be fresh. Kamara's been getting, well, those first four games, the usage rate was insane. Uh, you know, 19 carries against the Giants the week before on top of five, five catches. So, you know, he's been getting over 20 touches per game in the games that he played as the, the lone back out there. So... Um, for me, it was like the writing was on the wall for that Week 5 game in terms of Kamara. And the people that are sitting there telling me I'm concerned about Kamara, like, how do you not look back to just one season ago where both guys carried value the whole season? Like, there's there's no there's no stance on that, so. My, my concern would be more of, hey, when are teams going to figure out, yes, the Saints have Drew Brees, but they want to run the football. Yeah, like, they're a run first team. I mean, how how do you sustain two running backs having such a high floor week in and week out and, and not be able to figure that out? I, I, I think it comes down to teams just not being able to stop it, and that's why they've been able to continue to dominate like they have. Having three players like Kamara, Ingram, and Michael Thomas to surround themselves with Drew Brees, that makes it very tough to stop. So that, that I don't know. They may know that they want to stop it. They just may not be able to, you know. 
And Sean Payton's still an offensive mind that is respected in the league. Well, and, and then, so the, the, the counterpoint to that is that they have talent surrounding Drew Brees. Drew Brees is phenomenal, one of the all-time greats. Why can't they get further in the playoffs? Why can't they win multiple Super Bowls that won one years ago without these guys? Now that he has all these weapons, I, I know their defense is shit. There's a lot of other teams that that's defense is terrible. Sorry, I know it's a family-friendly podcast, but why can't the Saints move further in the playoffs? Well, my stance on that would be, and I don't want to get too far away from fantasy football, but um, my stance on that would be that it, it was only last season that they became a run-first team. Um, they've been known as a soft team with, that was centered around the pass, and they almost needed to have home field advantage and play in that controlled Superdome environment in order to, you know, have the success that they've had. And it's been tough for them to get that home field advantage because they've played in a historically tough division. Um, You know, both the Panthers and the Falcons have been good for the last five-plus years. And Tampa Bay always sneaks in a decent season every now and then. So, tough division, not allowing them to go out and, you know, do the things like the Packers and Seahawks have been able to do over the past years in... Um, weaker divisions, so not being able to get that home field advantage has been tough for them in the playoffs. They've last year they should have made the Super Bowl. They they had I think the best roster in the NFC, save a stupid play at the end of the Vikings game. I think I think if they go into Philadelphia, that's a totally different outcome than Minnesota Philadelphia. You realize Philadelphia is outdoors though, and Drew Brees would have for the football outdoors. Yes, but they were a run first team last year, and they ran on everybody. The Eagles roster was ridiculous last year. So, yeah. But the Saints defense was good last year, too. I digress. All right. Uh, then the other question you want to ask for my team, because you're a dick, is Corey Davis and Jarvis Landry. <laughs> over under 18 points. I'm I said make this, it eight, 18's high. I'm going to make this real easy that. for you. Jarvis Landry goes over 18 by himself this week. So, so you say over, then? Yes. Correct. Okay, I'm also going to say over, but I think it's 15 from Landry and 3.5 from Corey Davis. There we go. That's over. I'll take it. <laughs> um, who wins? Dogs, no reason not to. The real dogs, the desert dogs. Yeah, give me the guys that love the lack of water. I'll take the desert dogs. <laughs> guys that love lack of water. Nice. Uh, Micah already waving the white flag this week. Uh, he said, let's call it as it is. Because this is the closest this game's going to get all week. so No reason not to. Doing the old, you win, sir, texts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, People uh, don't even send me those anymore. They just dominate me. Speaking, so. of, you, speaking of you win, sir, uh, the teabaggers against Spears and the ice cream. Uh, Stein taking his great 3-3 three and three roster with Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown on by against Spears' team. Um Showtime Mahomes again on Sunday night. But is this the week that Christian McCaffrey finds the end zone? I think it is. I absolutely loved McCaffrey coming into this season. Uh, He has not gotten the touchdown production that I thought he would. But I I think that turns around this week. And that's more of not as much usage, but I think it's more of a regression to where I, I thought he was going to be before the season. What about you? I think he probably gets in this week, too. Um, 
I think this is a pretty high-scoring game against Philadelphia. I think these are two offenses that know how to you know get the ball in the end zone, and I think the defenses are a, a little bit overrated, I would say. So both so, teams seem um, to be hitting their stride too, maybe. I I need to get caught up here because I, I'm sure you guys talked about this in the last podcast, but Spears' team looks really good. And the whole A.J. Green trade, can can you fill me in on, on what happened there? Um, he had several offers for Green. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's incapable of owning anyone on a team that's not Philly, Carolina, or Kansas City. So the thought of acquiring Alshon Jeffrey, <laughs> um, I'm sarcastic in that sense, but uh, yeah, he, yeah. he thought Jeffrey was not far behind Green, so being able to get twenty five bucks on top of that felt like he felt like he was keeping himself competitive with an eye for next season. Which I agree with. I I love Green. I also love Jeffrey. Um, I just didn't really know the backstory of the trade, so thanks for letting me know. Yeah. Um, we did not mention Spears' team though as a contender in the David versus Goliath segment, but I think. You know, Ajayi going on IR and being the Corey Clement owner, you know, Clement, Hunt, and McCaffrey rest the season, that's interesting. And yeah, maybe we, maybe we were remiss in terms of not mentioning him. Uh, for sure. As I, Troy I, mentioned. I, I love his team. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Deshaun, but um, the, the rest of the roster, especially having Mahomes, I, I, I think they're a really good team. But as Troy mentioned to me in our weekly phone conversation this week, moving green for the 25 and staying competitive now gives him $50 to go out and maybe get two players to add to this roster if he so chooses. So, And yet my phone rings nothing from shit's ice cream. Um, I think, and maybe this is different because he has an open flex spot. He's got Marlon Mack in there right now, but is he kind of in the same sense that Eddie and I were in where we had conversations, but it's hard for us to do too much because our team is so running back centric. Maybe he feels like he needs to upgrade at another spot or he just may not be ready to upgrade yet. He may want to see this thing two more weeks. Yeah. I, I think his team is probably running back deep to, to your point. Um, that being said, if Le'Veon is what we think he has been in the past and the number two running back overall, I, I think you're able to find space for him. I think you're on an I- flex spot. I think you're on an island there and thinking Le'Veon is who we all thought he was coming into this season. But. I mean, it's not it's not opinion. It's historical fact and numbers he's been able to produce. But right? in terms of, I'm, I'm not. You're not crazy in that sense, but in terms of on the opinion side, and this is the pitch, I think I maybe made it to you or maybe it was someone else I was talking to, but that is not a locker room run by anyone other than the 53 men that put on the uniform every week. And those guys... Oh, are, my God. What, oh, my God. You know, you're an anti-Tomlin guy, too. You know this. You need me on that wall. No, no you know that, too. That's this, a code red. The, no, come on. Seriously. What, what, what does it matter? They, they, they came out and said, oh, we, we don't like it. But the week he shows up, everybody's going to say, oh, God, thank God you're back. Right? I don't know if everybody's they say that. Gonna... that. That team is more prideful than intelligent. You know that. Um, you 
you don't feel that great about Tomlin running that ship. I know that. Agreed, but last week, after the game, Ben said, James Conner, great job. Now it's Le'Veon's team. Le'Veon's coming back. That was like, tongue. Like, that was so tongue-in-cheek, you can't even take that seriously. No, I, I, I think 100% Ben wants who is going to help him win a Super Bowl this season. If Ben supports Le'Veon Bell, well, then Le'Veon Bell better learn. Not going to get Bell. Le'Veon. How the linemen not going to get behind him? Le'Veon Bell like, better what, what, what learn. What am I missing here? <laughs> Le'Veon Bell better put on the number fifty jersey and learn how to play middle linebacker if he's going to help win the Super Bowl because that's what they need. That's like the guy they guy, need. Does he suck all of a sudden? What, what did I miss? I don't think he sucks. I just think it's it's an offense that leads itself to the lead running back being successful regardless of of. I don't think Bell's skill set is anything isn't leaps and bounds better than Connor's. Okay, fine. But what is the chance? Let me let me ask you another question. What's the chance he comes back and he's able to play as well as he did last season? Bell's the chance Bell comes back and plays. When's he yeah. coming back? Let's say let's say he comes back week nine or week ten, like everybody says he will. And contractually, when he has to, to be able to be a free agent next season. He comes back week 10. I don't think he's a candidate to be the player we thought he was till at least week 13. Okay, and week 13 is, is what round in the playoffs? It's the last round of the right. Re- it's the last week of the regular season. Last week of the regular and season. And I said that's the chance that he is. I don't... That, 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 that's, that's the chance, right? I'm asking you for a confidence level in what, what's the chance that he is able to be somewhat similar to the player that he was throughout his whole career in Pittsburgh. I think I think at best he's a flex play this on on this season on any roster. Connor's not going away, and I would say you know maybe he's not maybe he's the running back and Connor's the flex, but I don't see it being. Much different than Kamara and Ingram, where maybe he plays the Ingram role, and I'd say Ingram's a flex caliber player in this league. Let me ask you one follow up question because I don't want to spend too much time on it. I know we have a lot more topics to discuss. <laughs> Why would the Steelers offer Le'Veon Bell fifteen million dollars a year if they were planning to put him in a committee with James Conner, who's making one point seven million dollars this season? We had this conversation already um i don't think they had a lot of confidence in this what james connor was i mean eddie eddie no wait wait, wait. let me stop you right there they drafted him in the second round yes that, that's when third, they got james connor third, so third there's round. confidence there third round but third round you don't draft a guy that high and commit to him at the beginning of the season without signing another running back do you think so i don't i don't i don't, I don't get it um, I just you, don't, you don't think you don't that's... you don't offer the first guy a fifteen million dollar contract, and when he sits out, if you don't think James Conner can do it, you you bring somebody else in. They didn't do that. They made him an offer though that they knew he was never going to accept. It was almost like it was almost like they, the Cardinals making an offer to Pujols when he was a free agent. They were thirty million dollars no, less than that's every not other. True. That's not true. They were thirty they, million. They offered him. In line with the market, it was going to be 80% higher than any other running back offer at the time. Yes, it wasn't all the guaranteed money that he wanted, 
but he also had positive drug tests. He also <laughs> showed that he was a shitty teammate and didn't show up to walkthroughs before playoff games. So you gave all the reasons right there not to commit to this guy and not to give him the contract that Todd Gurley got, which is what he wants. Fantasy football is a lot different than real football. I hate Le'Veon Bell. I, I hate this guy, but I've kept him in the last two years. I can't wait to see what happens. It's, it's going to be exciting. Um, hey, maybe I'm wrong, but if, if I'm an owner out there, the upside is way too high knowing that I can get the second best running back overall for me to sit on it. You might be wrong. You've been wrong just about on everything else you've predicted this year in terms of what your team looks like. So the one in five guys saying he might be wrong, I'm going to say you're right. You might be wrong. You might also be right. but um, That's fair. I, maybe, maybe I'm an idiot. I don't know. Could be. We'll see. I can't wait to see what happens. Um, I, I'm not – I guess he has to come back before week 11, but the advice that guy's getting, he may not. All right. Yeah. Shane, Shane's team, you asked, you posed this question. It's funny because Lindsay scored 16 points. But you said, is this the worst running back 1-2 combo we've seen this season? And Philip Lindsay and Frank Gore, quick, easy answer for you. No. Uh, I like Gore this week. So I thought Shane should have picked up Gore last week. I told him that last week. He goes out and does it this week. Um this is probably the best running back combo he started all season. Which is true, <laughs> but when you when you say no, you have to say which running back core has been worse. Um, and you can't just you can't just say other Shane running back cores because that's not fair. I think Shane's RB ones and RB twos have, have been the the absolute worst we've seen in the league all year. And well, uh, I'm curious to hear who you think is worse. Well. I'll I'll take the uh, running back one two for the Bull Weevils this week. Derrick Henry and Wendell Smallwood. Yeah, you know I um, <laughs> I was talking to Bull about that, and uh, he doesn't really seem to have any interest in upgrading. It seems to be on the process. <laughs> Trust it. Trust it. Yeah, that's funny. So that, I think, is the worst one. Uh, can't believe how bad Derrick Henry's been. Didn't see him ever being this bad. So can Mike Evans keep the teabaggers afloat this year uh, with a win this week during A.B. and A.R.'s bye? That would be Antonio Brown and Aaron Rodgers. I think it's really close. I, I, I really do. And seeing 16 from Lindsey, my God, this guy, this undrafted running back, just will not die. He put me away, and um, unfortunately for Spurs, he went, he went off. I I think he's I think he's solid. I think it's going to be a, a lot closer than I thought it was going to be last night. I don't think Evans can keep him afloat. I'm going to pick the ice cream to win. Uh, just better players on that side of the on that side of the ledger and. Um, Shane is rostering Sir Blake Bortles as his quarterback this week. And we all know the only week you can play Sir Blake Bortles is when he's playing in London because he has been knighted over there. He so. did pick up Case Keenum for, I, I think, 10 minutes. Yeah. So you got to mention that. Yeah, he almost had it right. 
Did yeah. Keenum have a good game? What was his What was his final number? I, I, I don't even know. I, I think Emmanuel Sanders had the only passing touchdown that game. No, he threw a long one to Sanders. Um, that's right. That's right. So Keenum had nine point eight. Not a good game. Oh, stud might still outscore Bortles. Um, I guess there's obviously a chance we could still see Deshaun Watson in this matchup. Highly doubt it though. But yeah, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take ice cream in this one. You too. Yep. All right. All right. We'll go over to uh, Storms Tyler Fleetwood franchise against Papa Cause and the St. Louis Patriots. Storms after the big uh, 33 point lead with the defense uh, effort, three turnovers, two touchdowns. That's not even that. fair. No, that, that, that's, that's just not even fair. Yeah, I'm in a Thursday-Monday Fanduel slate, and I did not have the Broncos' defense, so I feel like I should. I'm not going to cash this week in that one, uh, just because of that no. one. Six percent of the people had uh, the Broncos' D, so uh, we'll go with Tyler's team first. Do you expect a big week from Robert Woods with Cooper Cup out, or is this a girly week? They're all girly this weeks. Is a, they're all girly yeah, weeks, Phil. They're all girly weeks. The guy's <laughs> phenomenal. Um, I mean, this offense is phenomenal, but the fact that Cup is out really, really kills the Patriots here. Um, Woods has been pretty much – Woods and, and Cooper Cup have been interchangeable this season. The fact that Cup's out makes it a huge Woods week, and I think there's so much room to feast here on this Rams offense that – both Woods and Gurley have a huge week, and um, unfortunately for the Patriots, I, I, I think the fact that Cup not playing sides um, and, and swings this matchup for the franchise. Um, but if, if it wasn't for that, I, I think the Patriots are, are in a great position, and it just sucks that this is the week that Cup can't play, and then you've got to face Woods this week. Yeah, it's tough. Um it's, it, it's kind of like back to my Chubb reference for, for, for my matchup where I'm like, I, I love I, I, I love Chubb. I wanted to target him. And then just the fact that Hyde gets traded, and, you know, it just timing sucks. And then and you it, got it, it, it sucks this week for the Patriots. You got a guy like me who, for whatever reason, the last 16 weeks I've been able to do no wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And I go up against a guy who traded Alshon Jeffrey last week. Um, and I avoid seeing a two-touchdown game from a wide receiver, too. Again, I mean, I don't know if it would have made a difference, but it would have made it a lot tighter. I know that. So, yeah, it's just varying levels. I think you're, I think you're the guy that leads the it all even out at the end pack, and I tend to agree with that, too. Um, we might get to that at the end of the podcast. I have a surprise segment for you, potentially. So, um, But, yeah, girly week this week. And I think yep. Woods has a good game, too. I would agree with that. Do you think the Giants will waste another fantastic Saquon performance Monday night at Atlanta? Um, oh, sorry. The other point I wanted to make, going back to Shane's team, I hope the Packers don't play another primetime game the rest of the season. And Eddie will appreciate this. I'm so sick and tired of Rodgers leading them to a comeback against a mediocre team and us having to hear all the conversations about Rodgers the next day in the media, but that's just a quick aside. 
No, God. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, they, they should have put... What were the... The Packers, I think, were 10-point favorites that game. They, they, they should have put them away early. Their defense sucks. Uh, I mean, M- McCarthy, the offense seems to just be Aaron Rodgers, go go wing it and go win. Um, it's it, it's painful to watch. I mean, it's it's painful yet entertaining TV at the same time. I mean, they made San Francisco's quarterback look phenomenal, and um, I I gotta say the Matthew Berry rant uh, about Alfred Morris was absolutely phenomenal. I hope you guys got to see it. Hilarious. That that was that that was hilarious, especially coming from him, and. Um, yeah, I mean, made for an entertaining game, Monday Night Football, but like it, 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 it's it's also painful at the same time. Yeah, to your point. All right, uh, will they waste another phenomenal Barkley performance? It made me think of the Rogers thing because of them being on Monday night. Um, we all got to see Barkley with the incredible effort last Thursday, um, and Atlanta notoriously miserable against pass catching running backs. So, yeah, you, you know Barkley's gonna have a huge week. Um, the only way I'm comfortable if I'm the Patriots is if I'm up by 40 going into the Monday night game. And uh, I don't think that's going to happen. No. And the so, worst thing the worst thing that could happen to Papa Kaz, I mean, he goes out and does the smart thing, picking up the Colts defense to stream this week. But mm-hmm. Derek Anderson starting, not Nathan Peterman. Um, Anderson isn't great by any means, but he's a lot better than Nathan Peterman. So... He, he's not as turnover prone, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Papa Kaz's team. Winston or Stafford to play this week. Uh, he goes out and gets Winston last week for the Stafford bye. Winston puts up such a good performance, has another good matchup against Cleveland, and he's leaving Stafford on the bench, it looks like, for Sunday. Do you agree with that? I, I, I don't agree with it. I, I, I like Winston. Um... I think Cleveland's defense is going to be able to put pressure to him, though. And uh, I think Stafford's the better play just based on um, the, the, the matchup that he has at Miami. Um, we saw what Trubisky was able to do. I, I, I think Stafford's able, to, able to, to carve that team up again. I like Stafford as a fantasy QB because they're not able to run the ball that, that well. Um, Blum will probably get a touchdown or two, but... Um, if, if if I was running that team, I I, I think I would have Stafford in there, but I it, it's close. It's super close. I'm probably gonna lean with Winston, um, for the reasons that you leaned on Stafford. I think the running game in Tampa Bay is worse than the running game in Detroit. And um, Barber had a big game last week, but I think a lot of that was through the air. Um, oh, everything was. everything was through the air against Atlanta. Um. But the other thing about Stafford, yes, Trubisky had a great week last week against Miami, but uh, the M.O. for beating Miami this year has been on the ground, so I think it's a big carry on Johnson week, which also hurts Papakaz. Yep. And then, final question, is this the week Jordan Howard breaks out? Um, quick answer for that. It's hard for anybody to really break out against New England when you have a skill set that's not like Kareem Hunt or Tyreek Hill. Howard's not the speed guy. Um, they have slow he, linebackers, he, so, and they don't, they haven't committed not, they haven't committed to him at the goal line either. No, you're right. Um, and I'm a Howard truther. I, I, I'm a uh, yeah, I'm a Howard truther as well. 
And I do think the game plan is going to center around Howard this week. And uh, I, I think he's at least going to get enough touches early. And I think he's going to get goal line work early in this game where he could have a touchdown before halftime and then probably trail off towards the second half. And I, and I, and I think I think he does have a better week compared to what he's been able to do so far this season. So the only reason that I, I'm maybe thinking after you mentioned that is um, Chicago should be able to move the ball in New England. Um they should want to slow down the pace of the game, so they should want to give Howard more touches. Yep. And um, maybe they aren't behind in the second half because Mac is the type of guy that can make Brady uncomfortable. So. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be closer than, than people think. And um, game plan is going to center around Howard, personal opinion. And it probably will be closer than people think because everyone's off Chicago after um, after them losing to Brock Osweiler. So yep. this probably will be the week everybody's on New England and then uh, Chicago goes out and beats them. Sorry, I'm answering a text right now. Spears just asked, no podcast. And I'm going to let him know we're recording it right now. He's probably our only faithful listener every week. How many subscribers do we have? Um, I don't know. I, I think we get about 14 to 15 hits every week. And it's not only people in the league, right? 14 to 15 leads me to believe there are some really sorry people out there. That I think there's some uh, some bots on SoundCloud that play it. So I don't think it's Perfect. actually we'll, people. We'll take those. All right, so next... Oh, uh, who wins? Like, we're going to both take the franchise, right? Yep. Okay. Hate to do that. All right, Butler versus Bull. Hammer versus Weevils. Two, two, and four teams. Uh, loser leave town matchup. Start off with Butler's team. Is Yeldon and... TJ Yeldon and Tevin Coleman the most surprisingly effective RB1, RB2 combo we've seen this year? Yeah, so I, I, I pose this because just because of how things played out beginning of the year, you could have never thought that this was going to happen. But to me, it's really surprising that they've been able to be as effective as they have. Yeldon probably has this week, maybe a little bit of next week to, to flash with the trade that happened. Um, but so far, to me, this has been the most surprising combo of effectiveness that, that we've seen this year. Yeah, they, they've really led this team to a 2-4 and four record. I don't think this is a 2-4 and four team without those guys. Um, they've really saved Butler's season and put him in a position where he can still contend uh, for a playoff matchup. Um, but the emergence of Ito Smith has cut into Coleman like we wouldn't have expected with Freeman being out. And obviously... There's some kind of an issue with Yeldon if they're going out and getting Hyde, so I don't know if this lasts much longer. But at, at, at the same time with Ito Smith, yes, you, you know, you, behind Devontae Freeman, you don't think there's going to be a whole lot of competition for carries, but they, they also drafted Ito Smith fairly early, right? I think he was a second-round pick. Never heard of him so until I, like three weeks ago, so... Wasn't he a second round pick? Am I, am I completely wrong? 
uh, Edo Smith drafted Google search um, drafted in the fourth round of the 2018 draft. fourth round okay so I'm, I, yeah I'm, I'm completely wrong on that um, but fourth their fourth round for a running back is someone that's obviously the team feels like is talented in my opinion so yeah and it, it was a running back deep draft but yeah it, 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 it's tough if I'm Butler and I'm looking at Yeldon I, I, I say you know it, it's time to probably try and, and make a move I mean, he's got Cohen in the flex spot now, but... He already made his move, though. He did, draft cash-wise. What keepers do you see on this team that you would be willing to move players for? Who did he keep last year? Fournette and Hopkins. I think there's still value with Fournette, even though he has to be able to get on the field. But you're not trading the, you're not trading those guys if you want to compete. There's no move to be made. He's he's played his hand. Fournette's still a, a, enough of a question mark that yes, I, I I think he comes back for the playoffs. But to somebody that might be looking at a potential keeper at the same time, there's value there. All right, can Adam Thielen overcome the aforementioned worst running back one-two combo we've seen this year of Derrick Henry and Wendell Smallwood? I, I don't I don't think so, not this week. I I, I love Galladay and I love Will Fuller, but um, if nothing's going to be done to address Henry and Smallwood, I think this one's pretty much over. Um, looks like Marshawn Lynch could potentially go on IR too to make a running back situation even worse on that team. So uh, go out and get your yeah. Game. So so it becomes are, are are you playing for next season or are you, are you trying to make a move and, and a two and four I don't know the, the Texas exchange it, it, it seemed like probably playing for next season but I, I wouldn't be so ready to give up on Odell Beckham and Adam Thielen well despite Henry and Smallwood um, I'm still going to pick the Bull Eagles to win this one and if they get to three and four maybe that conversation changes I still think he has enough to win this matchup this week do you agree I'm on the hammer. All right. I like Bulls team, but I'm on the hammer. As so many women before you have been on the hammer as well. Um, <laughs> so, Clan versus Curtain. This is the game of the week. Five and one against three and three. Our game of the week looks a little worse now that uh, Dalvin Cook's out and he does not have Murray. Um,. And Hyde no longer really playable. Maybe um, it'll be seen, remains to be seen what his role will be with Jacksonville for this week. He, um, he's out this week. They said. Oh, they're not going to play him. They're not going to play him at all. I don't think. Okay, interesting. Based I think on Duke, I mean, they, they just got him today. I think uh, I think Duke Johnson needs to be in play maybe this week. Um, maybe over a Buck Allen or Kenyon Drake. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely needs to consider that. I'm sure this roster, the starting lineup will change come Sunday. Gets a nice start from Emmanuel Sanders, though. 27.3 last night, throwing and catching a touchdown. Your question for Fegley's team, though, does he have the best wide receiver core in the league with Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, and Tyler Boyd? And you did touch on this earlier, but if you have anything else to add, this forum's yours. 
No, I mean, I, I said before I, I was completely wrong on Tyreek Hill. I thought he was due for a regression, and I don't know what his numbers are. I, he's got to be top five, top three, um, considering his, his yards, touchdown production, and, and usage overall. But I, I pose the question because I thought uh, between Hill, Diggs, and Boyd, they were amazing. And then Calvin Ridley leads the league in touchdowns along with Antonio Brown with six through through six weeks. I, I don't I don't see anybody else that has a, as strong or as deep as the core as Fegley does in, in, the, in the wide receiver position. Well, I'll take the team we just talked about in terms of wide receiver core. I'll take the quad the quadro the quartet of uh, Beckham, Thielen, Galladay, and Fuller. So. No, no, they they were the other ones that that I wanted to talk about too. But it's not Jarvis I, uh, Landry, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and Chris Hogan. That's not the best wide receiver quartet in the league. Yeah, no, probably time to upgrade those, maybe. Um, but I will say for Fegley's team, I think Ridley needs to get out of this lineup this week, and Tyler Boyd needs to be inserted in the flex two role, going up against Kansas City. I would agree with that. I, I think if, if if Ridley plays, it, it's it's got to be a point though. Uh, you you got to consider playing Ridley. I'll uh, we'll move over to Eddie's team. Is this the week Nick Chubb gets more involved in the Browns' offense? I'm not sure why we're asking this question because Chubb is not on the curtain, um, but he does own Duke Johnson. So we talked about we think maybe Duke Johnson should get in there. So do you think? Johnson has but a semi The question was posed before the, the Carlos Hyde trade. No, I understand that. I understand that. Um, so, I guess, who do you like better this week, Chubb or Duke Johnson? I'm a big Chubb guy. Um, just because, they, for whatever reason, Duke Johnson ha- has been really good. And they just haven't, maybe, maybe it's Baker, maybe it's something else. They just haven't used him nearly to the, the effect that We've seen the Browns use Duke Johnson before. I, I like Duke Johnson too, but um, for for me, I, I I think, and I originally posed this because it was like, okay, you have Hyde, you have Nick Chubb. Now is probably the time that you start to get Chubb more carries, and um, now that that's up in the air, big Duke Johnson guy, and, and I think you're right in that we probably see Duke Johnson in this lineup um, by by game time. All right, and then uh, Dalvin Cook ruled out today. He left Thursday's practice unexpectedly, and then today the news comes out that he's out. Um, How concerned are you about Dalvin Cook? Uh, We know hamstrings tend to linger, and it almost feels like there may be an IR stint coming soon. I don't know. I'm concerned. I'm also concerned uh, for Dalvin Cook. He... Practiced fully Wednesday. Thursday went out like halfway through, I think, with the, the, the hamstring thing. And I don't know. I mean, is it time to, to think that he might be injury prone? I, 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 don't, I don't know what to think. He, he hasn't played a whole lot through his first two seasons as a pro. Um, and, and part of that is me reaching out to Eddie and saying, hey, look, I, you know, I, I, I think we probably have some pieces here to make a trade work. And, 
I think I can put Eddie in a much better position than he is now with some of the question marks he has on his team. Yeah, what was arguably the deepest running back situation in the league with uh, Mixon, Drake, Cook, Hyde, and having the handcuffs of Bernard and, at the time, Latavius Murray has turned into a bunch of question marks with Mixon being only the short thing. I mean, running out Buck I mean, Allen M- this week. Mixon's an, an absolute stud, but... Beyond that, I, I I think you need to shore up this team, and at three and three, he's in a great position to do so. Yeah, um, and, I, and I, I think he has all the other pieces with Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. I know not huge on Emmanuel Sanders, but he, he played well last night. He's had and a great, I, he's had I, a great season rest, so far. Re, yeah, I think rest of the season he's fine as a wide receiver too. Um, and to me, this is one of those teams that could potentially make a run for the championship and, and, and knock you off. It's just a matter of he wants to pull the trigger or not. And I think after the clan wins this week, I think we will see him pull that trigger. So I'm taking Fegley. Uh, give me the curtain this week, uh, especially considering Emmanuel Sanders' 27-point outing. All right, even with that 27-point outing, he's still only 11-point favorites. I uh, don't think it will be difficult for Gordon and Tyreek Hill and those guys to make up that difference pretty quickly. So definitely a nice matchup for Mixon, though, Sunday night at Kansas City. All right. Yeah, that's gold, that's gold facing that defense. So the other thing, that's the end of our uh, Week 7 matchups, but... Um, Surprise segment, right? Yeah, had a little bit of time this week, and... Uh, you know, did a little Jeremy esque analysis of the uh, of the first forty five regular season games of the Sons of Fantasy Football League. I started a Google Drive League archives, um, so I crunched some numbers and uh, let me share this with you so that you can see this. Send that over right now. All right, so you should have access to the Lee Archives folder folder on the Google Drive. Um, basically, I looked at the first 45 regular season games, and I started to put together some numbers and, um, you know, total regular season wins and losses through 45, total playoff wins and losses, combined win-loss record, um, you know, who's made the playoffs, where people have finished in terms of first, second, third, who's won division titles, who's won regular season scoring titles, who's won uh, one-week scoring titles, and then total for and against regular season points scored and allowed. So, um, where, where, where is this file exactly? I just shared the folder with you. So if you go to your Google Drive, you should if you refresh it, you should see this folder. League archives, yeah. yep. All right, so... Um, you see the folder I don't see anything in there uh, let me also share this with you it says you have it maybe if you close your drive and reopen it you have it um, alright let me do that but basically it's astounding how unlucky Bowl has been uh, throughout this league so far <laughs> Um, in 45 regular season games, he's allowed exactly 5,500 points. 
um, an average of 122 points per week he's allowing. Um, to put that in a little bit of perspective, the best team so far in terms of scoring through the first 45 regular season games of this league's existence has been Stein. Um, he's got me by a little bit, and he scored a little over 5,300 points, an average of 118 points per week. So what that means is Bowl has basically played the best team in the league plus four points on average every week for the first 45 weeks. Um, other things, the Desert Dogs are winning combined with playoffs at a 68% clip. So that's a little feather in the cap of the Desert Dogs. Yeah, um, keep patting yourself on the back. <laughs> my back hurts. Um, but, you know, just some, some things in here. So Micah technically has the the best winning percentage in the regular season, 68%, 13-6 so far. Um, obviously, he's only been with us for a season and a half. Um, but he's, he's done a nice job. The best, uh, the best team on average scoring, like I said, has been uh, has been Shane. Now, last year we took kickers out, so Micah's uh, for and against are lower than the rest of ours because obviously we've lost a starting player in the lineup. Um, not that kickers make that big of a difference, but he's like ten points behind me, twelve points behind Shane. That's about what a kicker could have done week to week. So. He's also been yep. the luckiest. He's the only team that hasn't um, allowed an average of over 100 points. He's averaging 99 against him per week. So um, can't really share this whole spreadsheet with the league on a podcast in terms of seeing the data, but you're looking at it right now. Is there anything that, like, this is your first kind of peek at? Is there anything really standing out like crazy to you? No, I... Um... I just thought this would be a cool exercise to start putting together almost like an archive page where we could memorialize each season of the league. You can see I have some tabs that basically just have like standings finishes. I haven't done anything really crazy with the years yet, but um, I will eventually open this up to everybody in the league so that they can see this. Yeah, I mean, what's standing out to me is probably sure. And mm-hmm. that, like, I always feel like sure has got a really good team. Definitely but, stood out to me, too. Like, leaving the draft, and then only a 42% winning percentage. It, it, I, I I gotta feel like that some of that is just bad luck with injuries that he's had, looking back on some of his keepers. And, um, I still, you know, I, I'm curious to see what this will look like a year or two years from now. Uh, Papa Cos has been... <laughs> Uh, within tw- 15 points for and against. Um, so he seems to have the most, uh, the tightest matchups every week. Uh, him and the clan actually are, their averages are within a point of each other. Um, well, so. this goes back to my, all, it all evens out at some point, yes, right? Yes, and that's, that's why I wanted to bring this up is that the numbers are really close. I mean, Shane and I have been. Shane was dominant for the first two years. I've been dominant the last year and a half. So, obviously, I think with that being said, we are on the higher end of the spectrum. Um, but that will even out, I'm sure. I yeah. Did, I think I had a four and a four and nine season mixed in with this too. 
most of the surprise to see Steel Curtain a little bit lower than I thought they'd be. I think Eddie's done a really good job the last few years of managing his team, so I'm surprised that he's only at 46%. Well, he is the next highest in points allowed. He's the one that's 300 points behind Bolt, so yeah, not much you can do about that, that I, side of it. I, 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 I know. I, I feel like he's done a, a pretty good job in not only drafts, but managing his team throughout the season, so just tough luck at some point. All right, anything else for Week 7 or the league in general? No, I'm, I, I mean, over the next few days, I'll, I'll probably pull the trigger on, on one of the offers I have on the table if the other owners are, are, are still open to it. Um, but, I mean, I, I've got some good pieces. As I said earlier, I, I think rest of season, my team is much better than what they've had or what they've shown so far between injuries and Josh Gordon doing whatever the hell he did in, in Cleveland. Um, I think my team's really positioned well for the rest of the season, but unfortunately I don't think I'm going to have the firepower to be able to keep it there. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to see where the standings shake out after week seven. Like I mentioned, this is a, this is a huge week um, with next week being the last week. Uh, before the um, before the trade deadline. The other thing I said I wanted to look at, I did not look at this before the show, but obviously last week was the first week of the crossover matchup, so I wanted to see which division um, was in the lead, and it looks like uh, our division, the Favre division, uh, went 2-4 and four with me and Shane being the only teams to win, so... Tough luck losses for the Wolves and the Curtain that would have swung the ledger um, in our favor, but uh, Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, and Tyreek Hill felt otherwise about it. So, this dominated me. Yeah. So, um, this was fun. It's always good having you on. You and I seem to generate interesting discussion at the very least. So, we're an hour and a half into this thing. Time to wrap it up. Uh, thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get you back on next week or the week after that we'll see what kind of moves the sea wolves make that might uh that might be reason enough to get you on to see uh, all right thanks for having me buddy yeah all right wrapping it up uh thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys uh before week eight